I'm Bethany Ball, and I'll be reading a chapter from my book, The Pessimist, which will be coming out in 2021 from Grove Atlantic. The chapter is called Tompkins Square. The following weekend, Rachel drove down into the city with Lydia to visit their old neighborhood. She missed it down there. She missed the park. She missed walking over to Veselka for pierogi, or the bagel zone for whitefish, or Lavagna for their sausage and peas pasta. She missed running into friends she'd known since their kids were babies. Like her, so many of them had moved away, to New Jersey and Long Island and Los Angeles and Toronto. Anders stayed behind with his father. Lydia and Rachel were going to meet an old friend, her friend Yael, who had moved from Israel to New York City. Rachel and Yael had met in a Mommy and Me class when their babies were just six months old. It was April and nearly 60 degrees when they got downtown. A wet, warm wind brushed the debris up the avenues and swung the sycamore branches back and forth. They drove down and parked at the lot on 11th Street between Avenues A and B, and then walked the two blocks to the park. There had been no traffic into the city, and they were 45 minutes early. Rachel pushed open the heavy gate and held it open for Lydia, who zipped off to the play structure. Rachel closed the gate behind her and found a bench facing the sun, where she sat nursing a cup of coffee she'd bought at her favorite kiosk, pleased the girl recognized her and asked where they'd been. She half wondered if she'd see an ex-boyfriend, David. They had a rapport that barely disguised their disgust for one another. She scanned the park, hoping to see him and hoping he wasn't there. And then he sauntered up. He was, as usual, unkempt, his woolly hair a cloud around his unshaven face, his two little girls ran around him and then off for the swings. His wife worked in high-tech on Wall Street, and Rachel had never met her. Hey, Rachel, he said. How's my cold wasp friend? Still doing the dead fish act in the sack? Half, Rachel said. Half wasp, you mean. What's new with you, David, she asked. Been polishing up your horns? Oh, I see, he said. Wasp when it counts. Jewish when you make anti-Semitic jokes. He took a bite of an apple. Still chewing, he said, I hate the pretentious names you gave your kids. I hate the cliché of a Jew marrying an Asian woman, Rachel said. She reached down and scratched an itch on her ankle bone, still trying to pee on girls in bed. Cunt. Asshole. Rachel smiled up at him and David sat down on the bench beside her. He said, remember that time I sold your underwear on eBay? You were so mad. Remember that time I fucked your best friend, she said. David sat back. You did not. No, Rachel said. I didn't. They sat a while in silence, watching the girls play. The sun was warm on her wool black coat. Dust and shafts caught the sunlight. Rachel thought about how fun illicit sex used to be. Stakes were low, of course. Who cared about some boyfriend one kind of liked but were never going to marry? Back then, best friends of boyfriends were always more seductive than boyfriends. Boyfriend stopped trying to seduce just about the moment one went to bed with them. Rachel actually had fucked David's best friend half a dozen times, but had forgotten his name. She sat for a moment running through the gamut of ordinary American male names. Alfred, Frank, Alan, Andrew, Michael, Manfred, Mort, Miguel, Manuel. What was the name of your best friend? Rachel asked. Nat, he said. He's married with three kids out on Long Island. David kept his eyes averted and wouldn't look at Rachel. In a flat voice, he said, Nice talking to you. He stood up and walked over to extricate his girls from a tangle of swings and chains. Rachel sat on the bench. 
She tried to decide whether to get another cup of coffee or not. She thought about leaving Lydia for just a moment to run across the street and get, and get the coffee, but decided it wasn't worth it. Mothers had been arrested for less. She thought about asking David to watch Lydia for a minute, but decided against that, too. She thought about David. She regretted they weren't friends. She remembered when they dated and how he'd asked her to wear pantyhose when they had sex, the cheap kind out of an egg that made her legs orange, and how kinky and rock and roll that had felt. Sometimes he'd rip them off her, and sometimes she'd wear them ripped after sex on their way out to a club, back when they'd walk over to the Bowery to see Bikini Kill at CBGB's. Or maybe it was 1020 Bar. It all been so long ago. She remembered Nat, David's best friend. He'd been so cute, so much cuter than David, but so bad in bed. The only thing fun about it was the secrecy. Rachel stood and squinted her eyes, scanning the playground. She'd get a coffee and something for Lydia, but first she had to find her. Where was Lydia? She was just there. She was just over by the swings playing with David's girls. She was just here. Lydia, she called. Rachel stood up and shoved her feet into her clogs. She looked around and called out, Lydia, Lydia. Her heart raced as she lapped the playground, twisting an ankle on the uneven stones, barely, barely noticing the sharp pain. There were two entrances. One was kept chained up. The fence around the park was fortress high, and she'd been sitting on the bench beside the gate that was open. But parents didn't shut the gate all the way. She always did, sometimes even getting up to shut it when an errant kid or parent left the playground forgetting. She shuddered to imagine a kid disappearing, like Eitan Patz years ago. They had been the same age when he disappeared. Rachel wasn't one to worry about homicidal maniacs. Not really. Not like some of the moms she knew. But just now, with Lydia gone, anything seemed possible. For five or six minutes, Rachel ran frantically from one side of the park to the other. She searched in all the hidey holes, the swings, the sandboxes, the tires. She tapped a woman on the, sh on the arm, who wrenched her arm away and gave Rachel a murderous look. Rachel said, have you seen my baby? Have you seen my girl? What was she wearing, the woman said. What does she look like? How old is she? you got to keep an eye on kids here. A group of mothers and nannies gathered around her. In her panic, Rachel forgot what Lydia was wearing. Rachel forgot everything. She pulled out her phone to call who? Gunter? The police? She called Lydia's name again and again and again. The park rallied. Parents and children raced around the park calling Lydia's name. She headed for the unlocked gate. It was unthinkable that Lydia had left, terrifying to think of her somewhere in the wider world. And then Lydia appeared in front of Rachel, with her serious eyes and cut glass cheekbones. Lydia was very, very serious. Rachel wondered when she'd grown so serious and so quiet. She said, what, Mommy, what is it? She said, I'm right here, Mommy. Rachel couldn't help herself. While another mom smiled tearily down at Lydia, saying, praise the Lord, Rachel held her arm with one hand and raised the other and gave her a slap on her ear just once. Lydia began to cry. And Rachel picked her up and held her, and Rachel began to cry also. Yael arrived, heard the story, and hugged her a long time. Shy ran off with Lydia towards the swings. I miss you, Rachel said. I miss the city. I don't think I can do it any more up there. I don't know what it is, but I don't think I can stay there. It's not for me. I don't know who it's for, but it's not for me. What are you talking about, Yael said. You told me you loved it up there. You tried to get me to move to Connecticut so many times. Will you? Rachel asked. Well, not now. No way, Yael said. Move back. It's an option. Rachel shook her head. No, she said. 
Gunter will say we made our bed, and he'll be right. And besides, Gunter loves it up there now. He has embraced suburbia, the school, everything. That's wonderful, Yael said. No, Rachel said, it's not.